Will you remain standing as we have our scripture reading this morning? It's from the New Testament. It's from the 10th chapter of Luke. I'm reading verses 25 through 37. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given me the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him. And when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds and poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Sometimes things can be so obvious to us until, until we, don't, we don't see them. I mean, things all around us, uh, the world that we live in um, is full of, of brokenness. It, it reminded me uh, in, this, in, in thinking about the Good Samaritan and how and how um, that sometimes we could miss the point of this. There was a guy that wanted a dog, wanted to buy a dog. He was a duck hunter. And so he went and he, and he bought this dog. And the owner said, you're going to be really pleased with a dog. Well, sure enough, in came some ducks, and, and the guy was a, a good shot, and he killed two of them, two ducks. Dog walks out there, picks up the, duck, the ducks, and walk, walks back. And so, you know, he's like this, what, what's going on? The obvious had taken place, but he just couldn't believe what he saw. And so some more ducks came in. Again, he shot and killed a duck. Dog walked out there, picked up the duck, and came back. He said, i got to take my buddy hunting in the morning. So he gets his buddy, and they go hunting. Ducks come in. They kill ducks. Dog walks out there, gets the ducks, brings them back. Some more ducks come in. They limit out. They, they have to leave. And the, and the owner of the dog, he's just about to bust. And he said, you didn't notice anything different about my dog? And the guy said, yeah, he can't swim. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your grace, your love, and your mercy. Thank you for these, your people. And Lord, I pray that I get out of your way. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I think that often when we read the parable of the Good Samaritan, that we may miss the point of the story. In the parable, when the lawyer, and this lawyer's not a lawyer like you and I think uh, as lawyers today, 
they were probably a well-educated uh, uh, clergy or more like a seminary professor is way that we would uh, call them. But anyway, uh, he correctly identified the Samaritan as the neighbor. Jesus responds with these words, that is the right answer. Do this and you will live. I think when we read Jesus' initial response, we focus on the do this. And so we interpret this parable to mean Jesus is telling the lawyer and us to go and be good Samaritans by noticing those in need and helping them. In other words, we think Jesus was telling the good Samaritan to go, to go and to do something. I want to submit a little different way of reading this passage of Scripture this morning. I would suggest that maybe Jesus wasn't telling this man to do something near as much as he was challenging him to see the world around him, especially people. Put it another way. Perhaps it isn't as much about what we do as how we live our lives. When I was in seminary, I took uh, my clinical pastoral practicum at NEA at the time as Methodist in uh, Jonesboro. And I remember that one of the first things that, that I learned about being a chaplain in a hospital was that our work was not to do something. That wasn't what we were there for. Our job was simply to be with our patients. Our role was to sit beside people during a time of need, to be a loving presence to these folks. We were to be living reminders of the grace of God shown in Jesus Christ. It's easy to see why we get so focused on doing what we read as we read this parable. After all, the, the first question the lawyer asked Jesus is a do question. What should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus told him straight up what he should do. Love the Lord God with all of your heart and soul and strength and mind and your neighbor as yourself. This is what we are to do as followers of Jesus Christ. It's sort of like when we say in the United Methodist Church um, that making disciples who make disciples. It's sort of that sort of thing. But the second question, the one that prompted Jesus to tell the parable, was not a do question. It was a be question. The lawyer wanted to know to whom Jesus considered to be his neighbor. Well, it was in response to the second question that Jesus told the parable about the Good Samaritan. And Jesus' meaning, friends, is very, very clear. He told the lawyer in no uncertain terms that he must be a neighbor to those that he considered ritually unclean socially unacceptable and morally corrupt. You have to understand that the Samaritans and the Jews hated one another. Now, 
there's a lot of folks that Jesus could have selected in telling uh, us about this parable that didn't have to be a Samaritan. Why do you think he used a Samaritan? To teach us how to live. To show us how to live. To inherit eternal life, Jesus says, we must be in a loving relationship with all of God's children, especially those with whom we disagree. That we would even judge as sinful or maybe even despise. As United Methodists, this is the parable that speaks to, to the transformation part of our mission statement. I think that the problem that many of us have today is the same problem that the lawyer had. We think the way to inherit eternal life is to do something. Say the right words. Believe the right things. Have the right kind of baptism. Give the right amount of money, join the right church, live the right way, and do the right things in this life. In this way of thinking, we have complete control of our eternal destiny. We simply earn our way to eternal life by doing all the right things. But Jesus says that the way to find eternal life is not by doing something, but by being something. Specifically, it is by being the kind of person that the good Samaritan was. Eternal life is, is discovered by living the way of Christ for the transformation of the world. What kind of person was the Samaritan? I don't know. I have no, not a clue. He was a person, though, who first and foremost was neither frightened. He wasn't a scaredy cat. No, he wasn't apathetic. When he happened upon the situation of injustice in his community, he didn't break and run. He didn't say, let someone else handle it. The text doesn't say why the Samaritan was walking from Jerusalem to Jericho that day. I don't know if he was on his way home from visiting relatives or heading to work. I, I don't have a clue. But my sense in this story is that he was not out on a mission to do justice that day. He was not on a mission trip or on his way to volunteer at the local food pantry. In other words, he was not specifically engaged in being his church self. Y'all know how we can be our church self. At that particular moment. The other two people who saw the robbed, wounded, half-dead man on the other side of the road are specifically named. Jesus named them. They're church folks. Aren't they? A priest and a Levite? How do you get any more churchy than that? We don't know anything about the Samaritan. 
Other than he, he was just simply a Samaritan. Luke does not say if he's a leader among the Samaritans, he's not identified as a priest, or even particularly as an observant Samaritan. That's not said that. The only thing we know about him personally is that he was a member of a group that was despised by the rival Jews. That we do know. And we know from the story that he was traveling along a well-known road, minding his own business, when suddenly he came upon a, a situation of violence, of injustice happening right before his eyes. He saw a man who had been hurt. And his response was not to turn and go in another direction, but rather to immediately go to the side of this victim and to help. And to help. To lend his assistance. You know, I wonder how many times daily that I walk by people that, that may not be laying there bleeding and hurting like, like this guy in the parable that Jesus tells us, but people that, that need a pat on the back or, or to just stop long enough at Walmart or uh, out to golf course or anywhere that we might be out eating. Anywhere that we might be, right here in Heber Springs. How many people I walk by? Because I have a busy schedule. I have church work I have to do. Run past someone with a broken heart. Run by some kid that just needs a little bit of encouragement. But no, no, no. I have an SPR meeting I can't, that I can't miss. And God knows next Sunday the council meets. Lord, we're too busy. You can't interfere with my schedule. That's a pretty anemic excuse, isn't it? But it is an excuse. Starting with me. Samaritan was so moved with pity <clears throat> that he put off his travel plans in order to take care of a Jew. He didn't call for someone else, some professional. He didn't call, you know, the police or an ambulance. He personally cleaned and bandaged the man's wounds. And he loaded the individual on his own horse or donkey, whatever he had, and carried the man to the inn where he presumably paid for the room. And he stayed with him that night and nursed him overnight. What's wrong with this dude? I ain't got time for that. And God knows, I know that the church doesn't have time for that. Even the next day, he paid for the man to be able to stay there. To stay there and recuperate, to rest until he was recovered. And he asked the innkeeper to keep an eye on him. And he promised to pay for any additional time that the wounded man needed. 
to say beyond what he had already paid him. This is the kind of person that's being the kind of person that Jesus talks about when questioned about eternal life. This is the kind of person that noticed what was going on around him. He didn't set out to go be a hero in anybody's eyes that morning when he got up. He didn't set out to save the world. He was simply being what God had created him to be. The same as you and the same as me. The Samaritan didn't just do something for this wounded stranger. He took time away from whatever it was that he had planned that day. Maybe he had a tea time. Maybe he had a boat rented. Or maybe just normal stuff. Needed to go to the grocery store. Needed to have the oil changed in his car. Whatever it might be. He completely changed his schedule. That's what Jesus says will inherit eternal life. He delayed the remainder of his trip in order to stay with the man at the end until he knew the man was okay. He even promised to come back and check up on him. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm on a road trip, and I don't go on very many, but every now and again, I'll have a wedding to do somewhere or, or something. Um, but next Friday, we're leaving to go to Florida. And I sure hope that there's not someone to mess up my schedule. You know what I'm saying? I mean, God forbid that, that we get out on the highway and somebody's broke down. They have a cell phone. Everybody has a cell phone. Let them use it. It's the intent of our hearts, friends. You willing to help? Are you willing to become vulnerable? That's what this is about. Furthermore, when we look and we perceive what might be a dangerous situation, someone who's been wounded or shot or whatever, I'm not for sure that I'd pull over. Just saying. I'm not for sure that I would. I, I hope that I would. I, I hope that I would call the police, uh, but I don't know that I would approach the car. I'm just being honest. My tendency is to think first about whether my actions might put me in danger. When I think about my own response to Jesus' challenge, to all of us, to be a neighbor, not just in situations in which we don't have much information, but to be willing to take risk for anyone in need. I know that I have some work to do in my own life, in that part of my discipleship. Jesus calls us to put not just our time, not just our money, but our very lives on the table 
in order to make God's merciful presence known anytime, anywhere the opportunity arises. Does that make sense? Anytime, anywhere that the opportunity arises. This isn't a story about finding easy opportunities. To do some good works in our community. That's not what this sermon's about. It isn't even a story about answering the call to give substantially, to support the great need, or to sacrificially go and serve in places in the world where people suffer. That's not what this is about. This is a story about how we're to live as disciples each and every day right here in Heber Springs, Arkansas. At home, in our neighborhoods, our churches. Remember I told you we only have 55 in a five-mile radius of this church. 55 in a five-mile radius. That's something in it. It's a call to see the needs of people that we meet on our walk. As I said earlier, maybe at the grocery store. Or on our way and, and to do something else. And to not think first about our own agenda. Well, I know that we're meeting with a contractor and an architect. And a trustee. And an administrator. I haven't got time to be helping people. Rather to live as people who willingly let the needs of the world around us interrupt our plans. That's the way we're to live. So that we never miss an opportunity to offer mercy to all of God's people. This, says Jesus, is how we transform the world. What is the difference in doing and being? What is the difference in doing and being when it comes to discipleship? I encourage us all to look around us. Thanks be to God. Amen.